0: good morning. Welcome, church family. Will you stand? We're going to open with Sing to the King. How appropriate. Let's sing to him.
1: Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Man, to know him is to love him, and to know that we belong to him and that he sits on the throne right now in complete control, it's just amazing to know his love for us, his grace, and his mercy. And I'm so thankful for what he's done for us on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ, and that he reigns in our hearts today. And thank you so much for coming and singing together and lifting up all praise, glory, and honor to him. It's good to see you in the Lord's house today. It's good to be able to worship with you, and now I'm excited to be able to learn and grow and develop our faith together as we surround ourselves with God god's word this morning so it's amazing to see you guys so thankful to have you here if you're a first-time guest thank you so much for being with us this morning uh there's a connect card in the chair back in front if you could fill that out and right after service you can take it out these back doors and we'd love to be able to meet you give you a little gift from our church and be able to tell you all about what's going on here at kavanaugh so again so great to see you guys thank you so much for being here today and we're excited for what god has to do i'm going to invite you all to stand we're going to ask god's anointing and prayer on our service today let's pray Lord, I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so thankful um, for all that you've done for us, God, and to be able to be in your house today on a beautiful day that you've given us, God, to be able to come and lift up your name and give you all the praise, God. That's what we're called to do today, and that's what we are going to do today. And um, I'm so thankful for what you did in first service, and I know that you're going to bless us just as much in this service as Brother Will brings the message. Open our hearts and help us to be receptive to you and what you have for us today, because we want to be the people that you want to be in this dark world and be a light for you in your name amen greet those around you and we'll get started in a couple seconds
0: from him he only is my rock and my salvation my fortress i shall not be shaken on god rests my salvation and my glory my mighty rock my refuge is god trust in him at all times O people pour out your heart before him for god is a refuge for us once god has spoken and twice i have heard this That power belongs to the Lord. Power belongs to the Lord. We are the creation, not the creator. So we have limitations, don't we? There are are times in our lives when we are overwhelmed and we don't know where to turn. Just remember that verse, that it is God that has the power. He has miracles.
2: because you are the one. Lord, you're my savior. When I was a child and I realized there was sin in my life, I called on your name and you saved me from my sins and you forgave me. My whole life since then, when I've needed you, when I've been alone, when I've been broken, When I needed healing, I called on your name. And that power, you were there. Lord, when there's someone here this morning that is lost and they can call on you, call on your name, you can give them forgiveness. If there's someone here this morning that needs healing, they can call on you. And you can give them healing. Whatever their need is, that miracle power is here this morning. Please give them the strength and the courage to call on you. Because you're here. I can feel your presence. And I can feel your power sweep over us this morning as your word is opened let us feel it feed us this morning and sustain us as only you can for we know you're here we love you we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for you are worthy you are our king and you are our lord We love you, Jesus. Let us call on you today in your name. And they all said, Amen.
3: It is good to know the Lord is in this place. And why wouldn't he be? It's his house. Mm. So I want you to know that I love you. And dear Lord, because of your love for us, we want to preach this word today, and I pray that hearts would be open and lives would be receptive to hear from you. Church, today I'd like for us to look at one verse in Proverbs that really provides a foundation for understanding the cultural shifts that are destroying the morality of our country this verse is so important that it is stated twice in the book of proverbs with one slight difference the first time it appears is proverbs 1 verse 7 it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction it's repeated in chapter 9 verse 10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In a world that has rejected truth, wisdom, and knowledge, I think we should be hungry for it today. And the Word of God tells us the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Is when we understand who God is and when we have a reverential fear for him but but that brings an interesting question what what does it mean to fear the Lord well I think that sometimes we try to water down this concept I know that I have been guilty of doing that and I repent of it today we say well it really doesn't mean to be afraid of God what it means is to revere him and respect him and to stand in awe of him. That is true. Yet in another sense, I think it actually means you need to be afraid of God. The Hebrew word that is used in Proverbs one seven and nine ten has a variety of applications, ranging from reverence and respect to panic and utter terror it was the word used for the fear experienced by those men on the vessel that Jonah was on when they were being battered with the storms they were terrified after all fear itself is not always a totally negative emotion In its most basic sense, fear is the emotion that warns us of danger and that elicits from us responses that may save our life. I don't know how you were when you were a kid. I kind of lived on the edge and if somebody dared me to do something, I was going to take them up on that dare. And very seldom did I say no to a double dog dare. However, I can remember a couple of times, even with a double dog dare, I was so afraid and so scared that I did not do that stupid thing somebody was wanting me to do. And you know what? It probably saved my life. Church, I want you to understand this morning that the Bible teaches our God is a consuming God. He's not a tame God. And in some sense, just being in the presence of Almighty God can be terrifying. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was living on the, in the interior of a vast desert, tending his father-in-law's sheep. One day, he saw this bush ablaze on the slopes of Mount Horeb. When he decided to investigate this strange fire that he saw in the distance, he was surprised to find that it was mysterious and ominous. And I think the fire was much larger than what we typically see portrayed in, in pictures and in photographs. This fire in Exodus chapter 3 was large enough to attract Moses' attention from some distance away. It was a terrifying blaze because it represented the presence and the holiness of God himself. And the Bible even states that our God is a consuming fire. Out of the fire came the voice of God himself like a thunderclap. And Exodus 3, 6 says that Moses hid his face because he was afraid. The word is terrified to look at God. Years later, Moses was back at this very same mountain, this time as leader of the newly liberated slave nation of Israel. And here's what Exodus chapter 19 says. There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it like fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And the people were terrified at the glory of God. We have a similar picture in Isaiah chapter 6 when the great prophet, the most intelligent and regal of all the prophets, Isaiah, was given an audience with the Shekinah glory of God. He saw the Lord seated on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above it were the seraphs attending the throne of God and they were crying out holy 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 is the Lord Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and their voices made the temple shake and the building was filled with this billowing smoke and Isaiah terrified cried out, woe is me, I am ruined. The prophet Ezekiel had a similar experience as he opened his book describing an incredible vision of the throne of God hurling through the sky toward him, surrounded by bizarre angels traveling on wheels, inside of wheels, over which arose a great expanse. And above the expanse was what appeared to be a throne of sapphire. And on that throne was a figure like that of man. And he appeared to be on fire, illuminated like a glowing metal, surrounded by this brilliant light, covered by rainbows and shimmering glory. And Ezekiel said, when I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking to me. The book of Revelation opens with a very similar image, John The apostle, the author of the book, described hearing a voice behind him and that voice said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. John turned to see the voice that was speaking and there stood one like the son of man clothed in a garment down to his feet girded about the chest with this golden band. His head and his hair were as white as snow and his eyes were like a flaming fire and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And when John saw him, he fell flat on his face before Lord God Almighty. This church is the fear of the Lord. And if I were to try to define the fear of the Lord to you today, I think we could define it like this. It is a healthy sense of sanctified terror at the majestic holiness of the endless attributes of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And church, let me remind you, Jesus told us not to fear those who could kill the body, but we should fear him who could cast both body and soul into hell. When we really recognize the fear of the Lord, all other fears fall from our lives and all other facts fall into place. When God himself takes over the throne in the center of our thinking, all other realities align themselves in a cohesive structure that begins to produce within us the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding that we need to think smartly in a foolish world. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Without that, we have no basis for thinking eternal thoughts, no rationale for transcendent living, no foundation for absolute morality, no framework for piecing together the billions of bytes of data that make up this universe. Without it, there is no reference point for clear thinking and no abiding power for clean living. Without it, there is no ultimate hope, not one little bit. There is no basis for healthy self-imaging. We can make no sense of the past and we have no plan for the future. Truth becomes whatever we want it to be. And that's why one theologian said, if God is dead, everything is justifiable. Our society today has lost the wonder and the majesty And the fearsomeness of God's presence and I believe that's why we've abandoned respect for his word and for the absolute standards that flow from his being like streams of light radiating from the Sun however the the book of Proverbs wants to rectify that for us and perhaps you're you're here today and you're saying how in the world can I develop The fear of the Lord. Do do, do I have to see a burning bush like Moses did? Do I I have to see fire fall from heaven like Elijah? Do I have to have a vision like Ezekiel or John the Baptist? No. (laughs) Visions in our current age are unreliable things. Usually when I have a vision, it's because I've eaten a fried bologna sandwich too late. (laughs) The Bible has been given in full. Church, listen to me. The canon of Scripture is closed, and I don't believe God is issuing any new extra-biblical revelation by means of your dreams or your visions. We went to Raleigh, North Carolina for the Free Will Baptist National Convention. As we were coming back, we drove through the Great Smoky Mountains. They're beautiful. I just don't like driving through them. People zipping around me, driving like crazy. I'm a flatlander. I grew up out in West Texas where roads are flat and straight. I, I hate going down mountains and up mountains and through the curves and people flying by you like they're, they're crazy. But the whole time I was singing that Ronnie Millsap tune, Smoky Mountain Rain. Until Angie finally said, I've had enough of it, shut up. But as we were driving through the Smoky Mountains, I remembered this story that I had read about a man from the Smoky Mountains. He refused to go to church. His wife nagged him so incessantly that he finally told her, all right, I'll not only go to church, I'll join the church. She said, well, to join our church, you have to describe to the deacons a vision that you've had. There were some mountain churches that were emotional and they believed in these visions. And so the man went to the deacons and told him this story. He said, when I was walking through the the woods, a, a fireball fell from heaven and landed at my feet and a voice spoke to me and said, join the church. Well, the deacons were mighty impressed, and so they admitted the man into the church. When, when his wife heard the story, she was skeptical, and after arguing with him about it, she finally said, now, John, you tell me the truth. You didn't have a vision like that at all, did you? He admitted that he had made up the story. So she made him march himself right back to the church and confess his fabrication to the deacons, and they promptly threw him out of the church. He left shaking his head. He said, this is the craziest church I've ever seen. You tell a lie and they let you in. You tell the truth and they kick you out. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, you don't have to have a vision like Ezekiel or John. You just need to study the Word of God. You, You need to consider the qualities of God described in the Bible. Church, we need to take seriously the wrath of God the holiness of God, the majesty of God, the omnipotence of God. We need to remember that our God is a consuming fire, that He is without beginning of days or end of life, that He is eternal in the heavens, that He is the absolute governor of the universe. He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. I want you to look at the process for cultivating a heart that fears the Lord Right here in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The wise man said, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord And you will find knowledge the god-fearing person saturates himself or herself in the word of god he accepts god's word he stores up god's commandments within him like mary who pondered all these things in her heart he turns his ear to wisdom and applies his heart to understanding the truth of scripture god-fearing people search out the promises and the commands And the truths of God's Word like a man looking for silver or for hidden treasure. They saturate their minds with the Bible. Without the guidance of the life-giving Word of God, we are spiritually and morally and even intellectually dehydrated. But as we soak in the Scripture and saturate saturate our minds and our hearts with God's Word, we become what God has always designed and intended for us to be. The book of Proverbs has 20 references to fearing the Lord. And by looking at some of these 20 verses, we have a portrait of what it means to be a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman. So I'm just gonna throw these out to you. You can write them down if you would like. Number one, to fear God is to avoid evil. God-fearing means that we are so awed by the holiness of God that we're fearful of violating his holiness and we are zealous to keep his holiness. Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Chapter 8, verse 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Chapter 14, verse 16, a wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. And then chapter 16, verse 16, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. I can tell you on a personal level I made a decision a long time ago. There are some things I'm not even going to look at. There are places I'm not going to go, there are conversations I'm not going to enter into, there are things I'm not going to watch, there are certain people I'm not going to be around and there are certain things I refrain myself from doing. I just say no, I walk away. Why? I can tell you why. Because I love my wife and my children and my grandchildren. And I, won't, I don't want to do anything that's going to bring a reproach on them or harm them. I don't want to do anything that is, that is going to weaken my relationship with my wife. So I'm just not going to look at it. I'm not going to go there. Number two, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to bring reproach on this church I love my church too much. It it is a horrible thing when a believer in a church falls into sin because the world is looking and the world judges. It, It is even on a greater level when the pastor falls into sin and brings reproach upon Christ and the church. So there are certain things I just refrain from even being around because I don't want to bring harm to this church. But you want to know the real reason? I fear God Almighty. Amen. Now now here here is the, the, the point of contention with many of you, and I'm going to come back to this and address it later. You're, you're trying right now to, to balance and rectify the fact that our God is so loving and so good and so gracious, but now preacher is saying that God is holy and a consuming fire, and we should fear him. How, how do we bring all this together? <laughs> well, that's the mystery of the things of God. He is both. And we should not only love him we should also respect him. Number two, to fear the Lord is to cultivate humility. Fearing God means that we are so awed by his majesty that we're afraid of usurping it and we are eager to reflect it. Look at Proverbs 15, The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. What about 22 verse 4, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor to your life. When we have a proper concept of who our Heavenly Father is, that He is regal, that He is a consuming fire, that He is majestic, that He is holy, that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, when we have that proper concept of Him, who He is, and we couple that with a proper concept of who we are, human flesh, human frailty, then you know what? We have a good balance in our own life. We realize that God is God and we aren't God. He is holy, we are unholy. He is just, we are unjust. He is all love, we are no love. He is to be feared and we are to fear Him. And when we do that, it cultivates humility in our life. You know what your biggest problem is? Pride. It was the very first sin ever committed, and it happened in heaven. We're full of pride. The way we get rid of pride in our life is by having a proper concept of who our heavenly Father is coupled with who we are. Number three, to fear the Lord is to live righteously. Righteously. Fearing God means that we are so awed by God's righteousness that we're afraid of heading the wrong way in our life, and we are eager to live the right way. Chapter 14, verse 2, he whose walk is upright fears the Lord, but he whose ways are devious despises him. Number four, to fear the Lord is to live securely. Fearing God means that we are so awed by God's infinite reserves of omnipotent might that in fearing the Lord, we realize that we don't have anything else to be afraid of. Look at chapter 14, 26 and 27. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death, And then chapter 23, 17 and 18, always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. When I fear God, I don't have to fear anything else. When God is number one, everything else finds its proper place in my life. Number five, to fear the Lord is to be content in life. You see, fearing God means that we are so awed by God's riches that we rejoice daily in the abundant life that he has given to us. Chapter 15, verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And then finally, number six, to fear the Lord is to be praised by others. Proverbs 31 is about that great, wonderful mother and wife, and here's what it says in verse 30 about her. Charm is deceptive and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. You see, the fear of God is the missing element in our society. We live under the dictatorship of relativism. Why? Because we've lost our fear of God. And not only have we lost that as a country, I think we've even lost it in the church and as believers. So if you want to be wise, here's where you begin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Do you fear the Lord? I've told you this story before, but I thought of it again this morning. It, it happened a long time ago. The very first church I pastored was the Western Hills Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I was a seminary student, very small church when I went there. Angie and I uh, were two of eight people in the church when we went there. You know, God blessed, and we were just faithful, doing the best we could, and people, people came from I don't know where, but every Sunday somebody new came in the church, and I was so excited one Sunday morning when this young couple came in the church. Again, this is in the 1980s when they were, I guess they were yuppies, and this was a really good-looking couple, sharp-dressed young lady and young man, and they had a little boy with them, maybe two years old they carried in. I was excited, thinking, man, boy, I hope we get these people. They look awesome. But, but I got to watching them. Again, this is a little bitty church, I mean, smaller than this section right here. And as I was preaching, I, I noticed that she was getting irritated by what I was preaching. After the service was over with, I went to the back door, and people would file out and shake my hand. And here she came the husband carrying the kid, and she was just, she was doing this, man. And she looked right at me, and she said, do you really believe that? Now, what I had preached that day is what I preached this morning, the fear of the Lord. It wasn't these verses, nor was it this sermon, but it was the same message found somewhere else in the Bible that that we need to revere and respect and fear the Lord. And so my head was kind of spinning with what she just said. "Do Do you really believe that? And I said, Well, yes, yes, ma'am, I do believe it. It's in the Bible. That's why I preached it. And here's what she said to me If that's what this church believes and that's what you preach, we will never come back to this church. I am not going to raise my son in a church where they teach him to fear God. I said, Okay. <laughs> And she never came back. I've thought of that numerous times throughout my ministry. And I thought of it again this morning. And my thought today was, I, I wonder how that turned out for her. I don't know, that, that little kid was maybe two. Angie, that was a long time ago. Maybe that's 30-something years ago, 35, 36 years ago. So he's in his late 30s, early 40s now. I wonder how it turned out for him. And again, some of you are sitting here today and you're you're a little bit baffled. Preacher, I've been taught all my life that God is love. And I want to reassure you this morning that God is love. Our God is love. He's mercy. He's grace. He's forgiveness. He is long-suffering toward you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. More than anyone in this universe, God loves you. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross and shed his blood for the remission of your sins. Jesus loves you more today than you could ever imagine. And God wants to have a personal relationship with you. So let me reaffirm this morning that yes, our God is love. but he's not our buddy upstairs. And sometimes I think we wanna bring God down on our level to make us feel better about our own inadequacies and shortcomings. And let me tell you this morning why you should fear God. If you're here today and you've not accepted his gift of salvation and eternal life. You've never received God's Son, Jesus, as your Savior. You need to be afraid because you are headed for a place of destruction and damnation and hellfire. And there needs to be a little bit of fear in your soul today. One of the reasons I got saved, Jason, is because my preacher preached on hell one Sunday night. I was just six years old. He lifted the lid of hell and I could feel the heat. And I'll tell you, the reason I came to the altar and was saved is because I didn't want to go to hell. So again, fear is not always a bad thing. It will prevent you from doing some really dumb things. But what about this? What if you are here today and you're a Christian? You're a believer. Should we still fear the Lord? Well, in a sense, I believe you should. And let me give you one good reason why, one good example. If you're here today and you are a Christian, but there is an unconfessed sin in your life, you've slipped, you've messed up, you've, you've sinned, and you've not repented of that sin, you have become very uncomfortable with this sermon. And, and you're wishing I would just shut up and end it and let you go. The reason you're so uncomfortable is the Holy Spirit is convicting you. And you know there's something wrong in your life. You know that there's an unconfessed sin. You know that, that God is looking at you right now. That should not only make you very uncomfortable, that should make you afraid. Because let me tell you something, friend. God loves you too much to allow you to slip into sin and to continue to live in that sin without him reprimanding you. The Bible says God is going to do that just like a father does a son whom he loves. Because he loves you so much, he's going to convict you until you repent. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge, of doing the right thing. And let me tell you something, friend, when you fear God, you don't have anything else to be afraid of. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, you would convict every heart in this room and those watching online. I pray, dear Lord, if there's anyone in this room today who has never received Jesus as their Savior, that they would come today and repent of their sins and believe in Jesus for salvation. Lord, if there is a believer in this room who has, who has drifted away and fallen into sin and made some bad choices, I pray that through the conviction of the Holy Spirit they would come to repentance, that they would confess so that you can forgive. Dear Lord, I, I pray that we would leave this room today different than when we came by having a correct perspective on who you are and who we are and Lord for the rest of us who just need to come and pray maybe we have a family member a friend who is without Christ may we come and intercede for them today others dear Lord who just need to come and draw close to you and pray to you may they may they come today and pray at the altar for it's in Jesus name amen would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? And if God is speaking to you, come on, friend, come to the altar right now. Let's come and pray for God's mercy.
4: Jesus, God,
3: Lord, I thank you for your mercy, grace, your love, your long-suffering. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us, dear Jesus, to love you and live for you. Help us, help us, dear Lord, to establish the fear of the Lord in our own souls in life. Help us today to get a proper concept of you and who you are, and what you can do for us. Bless each person who is here. Lord, for those who are struggling, I pray that you'd give them victory today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I love you. I started that way. I'll just end that way. God, God gave me this message two weeks ago and in preparing it, I really didn't think it would come across the way it came across. But you know what? It's God's in control. And uh, if, if you have questions or, or problems or issues or you don't understand, go talk to Brother Jason this week. <laughs> uh, you come talk to me, okay? Um, because I do love you. When you leave today, make sure that you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Come back Wednesday night. We're going to have church again. I want you to pray for Sandy Rogers. She had surgery this week and is recovering. Camilla Cantrell had knee replacement surgery. Brother Stacy Cronister has been in the hospital for well over a week. He needs our prayers. Pray for him. And then from our first service, Juanona uh, Owens has been in the hospital Pray for her. How many of you might have an unspoken request? Would you lift your hand if there's a need or burden that you have? Amen. God bless you. You can see almost every person in the room has raised their hand. Pray for each other. All right. Let me pray for you before I dismiss you. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on our church congregation today. Thank you for the lives of each person who is here. Thank you for their families. I pray that you would bless us as we leave this place today, Lord. Help us to determine in our own hearts that we're not going to sin against the Lord and that we're going to live holy lives. I pray, dear Lord, that you would enable us to be salt in a corrupt society, to be light in a dark world this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.